Welcome to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's Rotowire's premier fantasy hockey show, and uh, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, your host for today. You can follow me at Statsman22, and my co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, where there are a busy group of people because of all the sports that are going on these days. And I couldn't be happier. I'm loving the NFL. I'm loving the MLB free agency. Basketball's underway, but we're here to talk hockey. And uh, we go, before we begin the show with our weekly sweep, AJ, I want to give a nod to a couple of players who have me- reached career milestones uh, that are pretty significant. First, Steven Stankos with 1,000 points. I think becomes the 48th player to do it with one team. And then Alex Ovechkin passing one Wayne Gretzky for career goals on the road. He did it all with one team as well, the Capitals, as we know. And uh, AJ, we saw another player sign a long-term contract this week, Rupe Hintz in Dallas, eight years by $8.45 million. There's a theme that I want to hit on here, my friend, and I'll bring you in with your thoughts on the milestones and the contract signing all players doing it with the same team. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, I'll start with the, uh, the Stamkos milestone here, you know, drafted by Tampa first overall in the 2008 draft. I don't think anybody's uh, even remotely suggested they should regret that pick. Uh, obviously okay. he's uh, well ahead of anybody else in that class. The next closest is actually Eric Carlson um, of, of currently of San Jose who has 694. So, Really, uh, he was the the toast of the class coming in, and and that continues to be the case. Um, won't quite well. Let me do my math. He could get to a thousand games played actually this season as well, if my math is working out on that one. It, it'll be close, but um, so yeah. So another milestone could be around the corner. Obviously, five hundred goals is right around the corner for him as well. Four ninety four. So. We'll be talking Stamkos a lot, I think, this season as we go along. And then obviously, yeah, Ovechkin, the goal race, like, um, you know, the the this one's obviously a milestone, but the the key is is the long-term one here is catching the overall goal total. So we'll we'll continue to be on on Ovechkin watch there. Um but I you know what I, I think the, the career totals on the road is a pretty significant one too because we all know that teams can really focus on a guy more when they face him on home ice and to be the number one guy and take one line away from Gretzky's career records. Those are both fantastic achievements for Ovechkin, just underscoring what kind of a brilliant career he's been enjoying. And he's been doing it under, I think, more difficult circumstances in an era where it's harder to score and there's been more of a focus on the defensive side of the puck. So uh, that makes both of these achievements, in fact, with Stamkos and Ovechkin, pretty significant. But AJ, the final thing I wanted to discuss with you and get your slant on here is the contract, really, the 8 by 8.45 million on Rupe Hintz. We'll get, circle back to you for an opinion on that. And, and noting that we don't see too many players doing this on the baseball side or in the NFL. It seems like there are a bunch of, you know, I'll use the term mercenaries, for lack of a better one off the top of my head, where players just seem to go out in free agency and get cut the best deal for themselves no matter where it is. Whereas in the NHL, there seems to be a little more loyalty to playing with one team and getting that longevity under your belt. Uh, what say you about that? Well, I mean, I guess my my thought on this, Paul, is like some of it has to do with like contract rules, right? Like the NHL doesn't have, you know, uh, contracts that you can – void after a year like we see in the NBA and uh, 
from the same side, we have the opposite is also true. Like the NHL teams can't just come out and cut a guy like they can in the NFL and terminate contracts that way. So I, I agree. I do think it does add a, a level of, of loyalty perhaps to it, but um, it's also working within the contract rules that you have. Obviously eight years is the max um, for Hint In Hintz's case, you're getting a guy uh, that probably I would argue the first maybe two years of that deal might be a little on the high side when you consider like this year is making 3.1. So jumping all the way to 8.5, but by the time you get to, you know, 2029, 20, 2030 um, is possible. If, you know, assuming his project or his uh, progression continues that you're talking about a discounted deal on the back end. So um, I sort of get what you're saying, Paul, but I think some of that is due solely to the fact that the NHL rules kind of don't allow for quite as much movement and termination of contracts and player options and all the rigmarole that we hear from the other sports uh, in, in North America here. I think you're onto something, but I think the NHL has got it right, AJ. And so I wanted to come, get that point and have it come out. So glad that we got there. And uh, I hope that our listeners appreciate that. And I'd be curious to have their opinions on the contract situation across the sports sphere uh, that we've just touched upon it's a very interesting one for me and one that the business side of the sport does creep in to all sports and i think like i said the nhl has got it right and uh, it's a good model that i hope other other leagues and other other uh, organizations can follow uh, along with and with that said we will jump now into our weekly look into the 32 clubs with our news and notes injury updates and who's hot and who's not aj please start us off with your look at anaheim well to be perfectly blunt as it has been for much of the season my look at anaheim is they played games and they didn't win a lot of them um (laughs) you know they they continue you look at anaheim's last 10 games it's one seven and two um two and one was the record this last week as far as again i hate to belabor this point every week it seems but um, as far as the producers, it's the young guys that you expect to be producing for them. Troy Terry, two goals, one assist. Trevor Zegras, two points. Uh, Mason McTavish with a pair of helpers. So they're continuing to get the production that they want out of the young guys. This is not a complete team by any stretch of the imagination. There are holes and problems throughout the lineup, which is why they're almost certainly going to finish last in the Pacific. But they've got some pieces to to build for the future. I think if you wanted to ask a question is whether or not John Gibson is a part of that future or not. Um, Contractually, he is. He's got four more years after this one on his deal, and that includes a modified no trade clause. So he could be a little bit difficult to move. Um, and, And I don't think this has anything to do with his play. I think this speaks to whether John Gibson wants to stay there and kind of ride out this storm um, you know, the, the numbers for him aren't great, but I would not put a lot, you know, all of the blame on his shoulders. He doesn't get a lot of um, support from from this lineup. So uh, that's maybe the one question as far as long term future goes is how long does John Gibson want to be the backstop for, for this club? And AJ, you know what? We've had a little trouble finding themes and good positive things to say about the first two clubs every week. But I'll give you one to think about. In Arizona, that's emerging for me. Uh, two things. Carol Hamelka is turning into a pretty good-looking goalie. He's, he's been heroic for them in the Nets so far this season, posting a record of six wins, seven losses, and three overtime losses. 
goals against just a hair over three, the save percentage up around 91%. That's wonderful for him. And it's it led me to take a look at the defense in front of him. And you know what, the, the partner, there, there's another theme emerging there where they've got three very capable offensive pieces on the back end all of a sudden. Shane Goss's Bears kind of revived revived himself with a 17 points and 23 game pace. I mean, the mi- minus 10 is still there because, you know, let's face it, they're still not a great team. And and then you look a little bit further down, Giannis Moser is a young guy in his second year as a pro, chipping in with 13 points in 23 games. So that, that tells me they got two solid offensive pieces there going forward. But let's not forget Jacob Chikrin is back in the fold and healthy. And in seven games, he's got three goals and three assists. And I want to stop there for a second and remind our listeners that this is a guy who definitely wants out of of Arizona and he's got two years left on his deal uh, deal, uh, in the low four million range that could be palatable for another team to take on but you can imagine the haul that Arizona is hoping to get in return and it will hopefully be targeted at bolstering the forward ranks because that's where they still have an issue as long as they continue to ice players like Travis Boyd in the top six at forward. Uh, it's just not cutting it with 10 points in 23 games, only two of them have goals. Nick Butestad also getting a longer, sn- longer sniff than I think he deserved. He's got 10 points in 23 games just because they have to use somebody. Nick Ricci's cooled off after getting a flurry of goals in the early going. He's settled at six in 21 games played, which is reasonable on the whole, but he's been scoreless for quite some time. And uh, so that's really the issue there. But uh, the the other thing, too, worth mentioning is, can you imagine, AJ, we haven't talked about the fact that they're on an extended road trip of 14 games. They've played 13 of them so far. The record is four, six, and three. So uh, I can imagine us chirping aloud about, how could our team get stiffed with a 14-game road trip? We know the deal in Arizona. It's because they have a new facility that they needed to get some work done on, and uh, they were a little wary of getting too many games at home in the early going. But they should be set up for more home games the rest of the way, and it could be interesting to see if they ever get any traction offensively. They might be uh, tougher out than they look right now. Well, over in Boston, uh, similar to, to Arizona, but on the flip side, Boston played games and they won them. Um, kind of the theme for this uh, for this season for them. Three and one was the record. Now, uh, Paul, you did point out to me that uh, they finally lost a point after at home after 14 straight wins. Uh, so they, uh, you know, are, are slipping a little bit here, quote unquote, slipping, uh, dropping that that crucial point. But no, um, all jokes aside, obviously, Boston uh, continues to have a phenomenal season. 14, 0 and one is the record at home Um, away is obviously significantly worse, but they've played a lot less uh, away games to start the year. They're six, three and Oh, so they haven't even played 10 games on the road yet. Um, So that could be a factor for them down the stretch as you know, you highlighted the opposite being the case with Arizona um, and that they were, uh, you know, playing uh, more games at, on the road, and now they're going to play at home. The opposite, obviously, has been the case for Boston to start the week. Offensively, Taylor Hall with three goals, Brad Marchand with two, David Pasternak with three, um, Trent Frederick getting in the mix with three points over their last three games. So getting a good production offensively. The goalies continue to do well. Linus Holmark, a .960 save percentage in his one appearance uh, this last week, Swayman nine two three in his two outings. So really, there are so few things to knock about this team. 
they're uh, pretty much completely healthy at this point. They've had Craig Smith out for a little while, but he's expected to return for the next game. Um, so that just gets them one, you know, one step closer to having uh, an even healthier lineup right now. And in Buffalo, it continues to be a case of the offense really producing, and it's young offensive pieces that are really hitting the mark of late, led by Dylan Cousins. He was one of the top scorers in the league last week with three goals and five helpers. Tage Thompson continues to roll along with two two goals and four assists. Tuck with two goals. Uh, uh, Rasmus Dahlin with five assists. Jack Quinn with two goals and two helpers on uh, uh, the rest of the scoring leadership here. But the Sabres still have an issue with goals against and right now they're giving a longer look to Ukapeka Lukanen, who is the, the goalie hope for the future, they, they, they think. But the early returns are not positive for him, AJ. He's given up an, a goals against average of 4.19, the save percentage of 85.6. That's very disappointing numbers for a guy that they're pinning some hopes on. Uh, otherwise, they have to ride it out with Craig Anderson and wait for Eric Cromery to come back healthy. And uh, those are two uh, – the goaltending remains to be a big – a uh, big question mark for this club. And until they get that right, they're not going to compete in the Atlantic division. Well, if you want to talk big question marks, the fans in Carolina have to be wondering, why did we sign Paul Stastny in the off season? No goals, just five assists through 24 games this year. He's been dropped to a fourth line role. Um, not the only player struggling right now. Paul's favorite punching bag. Yes. Barry Kotkanemi is also pointless in three games. Uh, so, you know, they, they have a few guys that are struggling, but overall, um, plenty of offense still to show for it. Four points each from Martin Hook, Nekash, Burns, Andrei Sveshnikov, uh, and, and Seth Jar- Jarvis and Sebastian Ajo, all with three points. So the guys at the top of the lineup are, are getting points, are producing here. Some of the guys further down the list are struggling a little bit, and that lack of depth Scoring could bite them at some point, but I have to imagine for many of these guys, it might just be a situation of, you know, later in the year, maybe it'll start, you know, start coming along and and they'll start pulling it up. But um, that is obviously a somewhat concerning trend, how heavily reliant they are on their top six right now. And AJ, at the beginning of the year, we lauded Calgary for the trade that they made to get Huberto and Uyghur in the lineup. Both of those guys starting slowly. Uyghur's struggles continue, and he's continuing to be the third option among scoring possibilities on the back end with Hannafin passing him now. And Rasmus Anderson, of course, holding down the fort as the power play quarterback on the first unit. So uh, Mackenzie Uyghur still has a chance to make an offensive impact, but at least he's doing it on the defensive side with a plus six. So not terrible yet, but uh, it's verging on not very, not as good as we thought it would be. Meanwhile, Huberto is starting to find the range and closing in on, on a better line score when you consider that he's got 15 points now in 22 games played as, as opposed to headed for a 40-point season, which he was a couple of weeks ago. So he's picking it up, and uh, they have to be thrilled. A guy like a Tyler Toffoli, who has been a – second and third line winger elsewhere has been thrust into into a first line role and has a credible 18 points year to date. But the big concern here is in net where Daniel Vladar picked up all three starts last weekend. Good for him. He shone in those. But the the concern is that their incumbent, the starter, Jacob Markstrom, is uh, suffering to a very tough start. The goals against average right up near three and the save percentage at 88.9. He's got to get this thing solved. Otherwise, they're not going to compete for the top of the division. They may be in a struggle for a playoff spot here in Calgary. Over in Chicago, there's some more injury concerns here. Peter Mrazek 
dealing with another groin injury, expected to miss at least a week here. Um, look, I don't know what it is. Some guys just are injury prone. I don't know if it's their training reg- you know, regimen, off-season preparation, bad genetics, uh, just piss poor luck, whatever it is. Peter Mrazek definitely falls into that category of off-injured player, um, and it will come back to bite Chicago again here. We obviously didn't think they were going to be a playoff team at the start of the year, but they will have to rely on Arvid Soderblom uh, again for another stretch here. He, this past week, uh, two losses in his two starts, eight, nine, seven was the save percentage. So it's not going to get any better in Chicago. They do have uh, Jonathan Taves uh, dealing with some flu-like symptoms. So he is in doubt for tonight's game. No indication that that would carry on beyond that. Um, but certainly having to go back to Soderblom when you have Mrazic out and then Alex Stalock has been out uh, with a concussion as well for since early uh, November. So some poor injury luck on, on uh, Chicago. Well, the goalie luck is not the, the thing in Columbus, but the goalie performance certainly is. They got two healthy guys there in Corpus Hello and Merz Lincolns uh, at different points in the season, but Merz Lickens has given way to Corpus Allo recently in terms of starts, and Corpus Allo has slightly better numbers, but their combined goals against is near four, so they got a lot of work to do to straighten things out, and they're not going to do it as easy as they thought they might because they're going to be without uh, Jacob Voracek, one of the team leaders offensively, but also in the dressing room. It turns out that he's dealing with a concussion issues, and he, according to himself, he's doubtful uh, for much of the rest of the season. It's a serious concern, and uh, we'll have to monitor that monitor that one going forward. But a tough blow for Columbus. Uh, I, I, on the plus side, they did get Patrick Liney back in the fold, and he must have uh, been pretty happy with the night that he had in Winnipeg, a two-goal effort against his former team that uh, that sparked a, a surprise win. But uh, I wonder if, how Johnny Gaudreau is feeling about being dropped into this mix and looking like he's on a team that is also looking not non-competitive. He's up over a point per game. You expected that. I, I thought he might struggle to get there, but he's at 26 points in, tw- in 23 games played. The loss of Voracek might make it a challenge for him to stay at that rate going forward. Over in Colorado, there are more injury concerns here. As the big news earlier today, Nathan McKinnon, they haven't offered any specific timeline, but Coach Jared Bednar said they do expect him to be out for some time. What that means is unclear right now, but of course, this is a team plagued by injuries right now. You're talking Valerie Nachushkin, Arturi Lekinen, Bowen Byram, obviously Gabriel Landeskog, Josh Manson, Curtis McDermott, Evan Rodriguez, the list uh, continues from there with even more kind of role players on this team. So without McKinnon right now, you're looking at a potential first line of, you know, I'm trying to kind of make this up right now. We don't have a good combo on, on rotowire.com because they keep sending some of their guys down to the minors, but I would guess you're looking at Miko Rantanen, JT Comfer, and, and maybe Alex Galchenyuk, uh, as as your top line right now, it's it's pretty dicey in Colorado. You know, defensively they're okay. They still have Kale McCarr, Devin Taves, Sam McGarrard. The net mining has, uh, you know, I should knock on wood before saying this, but has thus far avoided any serious absences. So they are going to have to rely, I think, even more on Alexander Georg, Georgiev and Pavel Francouz 
to stop some pucks. I've talked previously about Colorado's goaltenders just need to be good enough. They don't have to be great because of their offense. Well, with all these injuries, I do think the goaltenders are going to have to be better than just good enough at this point because they may need to carry this team for a little while while McKinnon's out. And AJ in Dallas, we know the top line is carrying this team, Pavelski Robertson, and hence clearly the top scoring line in the NHL right now. But beyond them, they're getting precious little offense, even though they've got Tyler Sagan anchoring a second line and Jamie Benn a third. They're trying to stretch things out. They're, I, I think they might be looking at reshuffling things because over the last 10 games, it's been a real Jekyll and Hyde scene in Dallas where when they've won the five games that they won, they put up a lot of goals when they have been stifled, that top unit, uh, a little bit handcuffed in some games. They've lost five games and some by lopsided scores. So it's really uh, a case of can they get more consistency out of this roster? And I think the only way they do it is to break up that top trio. That's uh, that's a big ask when you consider what Jason Robertson is doing with that group and Rupi Hintz having a fine year himself uh, around uh, venerable Joe Pavelski. They're uh, continuing to defy father time with another solid year himself. But beyond them, like I said, they're looking for, for offense and uh, they're not finding it right now. Over in Detroit, the offense right now is coming from Oscar Sundquist with three goals and one assist in their last three games. Phil Pronick with four helpers over that stretch as well. Dylan Larkin, two assists in three games. Not exactly great, but uh, not terrible either. Lucas Raymond, just one point over that stretch. Maurice Sider going cold this last week, zero points in his three appearances. So some of their guys that they rely on to produce are, are falling off a little bit over this last week. This team continues to kind of be right in the middle. You look at the recent schedule, they beat Columbus. That's a team that they should beat. They lost to Vegas. Um, shootout, uh, shootout defeat to Buffalo. So they're right about, you know, beating teams that they should, losing to teams that they should, for lack of a better way to phrase that, and kind of just in cruise control mode almost, uh, which has them still sitting in fourth in the Atlantic right now, in the mix at least for a playoff spot here. But they are going to need some more guys to step up offensively, in my opinion. And you can use the same notes that you just read. I can read them if you throw them out there, AJ, for Edmonton, <laughs> because it's another one-line effort, and they're trying to get uh, trying to something that they refer, reflect on every season. It seems they put Drysaitel and McDavid together on a unit, but that just exposes how inept the rest of the roster is. Uh, Safe for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. It's those three guys that are carrying the offense once again. We had hopes for for uh, Dylan Holloway. He was highly regarded in training camp, and people are saying, "Watch this guy could be a sneaky value for Rookie of the Year." Well, the sneaky value of Rookie of the Year has a grand total of three points in 22 games. So I can safely say that ain't going to happen in Edmonton, folks. And they're looking at a guy like Jesse Puljujarvi, who's been given many chances among the top six. He's got another one now bookending the two big guys he's got only six points in in 26 games and only one goal Kyler Yamamoto another guy who's played top six minutes in the past only three points so you can see where I'm going here they have issues offensively and uh further to that Tyson uh Zach Hyman is day-to-day with an injury right now he's a guy that shipped in a lot of offense for this club and if he's out of lineup that makes this team hard, a little easier to deal with considering the lack of scoring that they're getting anywhere else. In Florida, it continues to be the night show for them as Spencer Knight has started 10 of their last 13 contests. He's going to get the go again tonight. 
coming off back-to-back games in which he allowed just one goal uh, facing uh, on the road against Vancouver and Seattle, just one goal apiece in those contests. So Sergei Bobrovsky, the $10 million man, has been relegated to the backup role pretty significantly, and he hasn't done himself any favors. You look at his most recent performance when they did give him an opportunity, he gives up six goals on 23 shots to the Calgary Flames for an abysmal 7.39 save percentage. In fact, he hasn't had a save percentage over eight in his last three games. So pretty poor for performances rather from Sergei Bobrovsky right now. So it makes sense why they're going to continue to use Spencer Knight. Um, I don't think they're going to have a lot of takers on that contract. At best, they could retain half of the, the $10 million salary. And who wants a $5 million player who can't keep pucks out of the net? In L.A., they got to be happy about some things and really disappointed about others. The happy side is Kevin Fiala was brought in as a free agent. And look at him now, A.J. He's got 28 points in 27 games. That's seven clear of the next highest point getter and say Kopitar on this lineup. So they have to be thrilled with his contribution. Uh, the one-two punch at center still intact and doing it at both ends with Deneau with 19 points right behind Kopitar. And Gabe Velarde is a guy who, was, who had a quick, quick early start. He's among the league's goal-scoring leaders with 13 goals. I like his shots on goal at 58. It's over two point get, two and a half per game almost. And uh, Trevor Moore, another guy that's providing some offense. Beyond that, though, they're looking for more, and they're getting some from Arthur Kaliev, who was another guy that we didn't expect to have much of an impact. So the offense is doing okay. But in net, there was a shocking development this past week, AJ, when you consider Cal Pedersen was put on waivers. That's how disappointed they are with this guy who has uh, had the tag of being the goalie of the future here. Well, he's not doing it right now. The goals against is almost at three and three and three quarters, 3.76 to be honest, uh, to be clear, rather. And uh, the save percentage well under 90% so far this year. So that puts... The workload back on Jonathan Quick, a guy who's in his early 30s, and he's shouldered the load the last five games in a row, and the numbers are starting to slip for him too with an 88.8% save percentage and a 3.33 goals against. They expect to be lower than that because this is a team that prides itself on a defensive culture. The numbers certainly don't reflect that at the moment. If there's a weakness right now with the Minnesota Wild, you have to look at the center position. However, Sam Steele was thrust into the first-line role, playing alongside Matt Zuccarella and Kirill Kaprasov, and his numbers have not been terrible. Uh, Last seven games, three goals and one assist. Decent shot numbers over that stretch as well, so you like to see that for for him. Uh, So that may... If they can get solid production out of Sam Steele, that lets them kind of move Joel Erickson Eck onto the Greenway Felino line. They obviously made the move to get a little bit tougher, bringing in Ryan Reeves. Uh, interestingly enough, that move co- pretty much not, maybe not exactly, but uh, coincided with, uh, you know, Ryan Hartman uh, being out of the lineup for a while. They obviously felt like they needed some toughness, very similar players between the two of them. Um, so they're getting. Uh, some good production. You look at the the guys scoring this last week. I mentioned Joel Erickson Eck, five points in three games. Kirill Kaprasov, the same stat line, three goals and two assists. Zuccarello with four points. Kalen Addison continues to contribute from the, the blue line. So there's really not a lot of weaknesses on this team. The only time we really saw a significant slump is when the net minding was going a little wonky, courtesy of Marc-Andre Fleury. 
two wins in his last uh, two outings here this past week. The numbers aren't great, to be totally honest, for Flurry or Philip Gustafson. They got three wins uh, this past week, but Flurry's save percentage, 857. Gustafson's not much better in his one appearance, 879. So um, they obviously need these guys to get a little bit better, but they've been bailing them out with some offensive output. In Montreal, look, it looks like they're going to be counting up the goals for Suzuki and Caulfield all season long as the big highlight here. They're tied at 14, both in 25 games played and both playing solid uh, offensive hockey for this club. Caulfield with an amazing 90 shots on goal in 25 games. That's almost more than three and a half per game. And Suzuki continues to look like a guy that uh, is going to be a team leader here for a long time with better than a point per game. Beyond them, though, the next highest goal scorer is Sean Monaghan with six and Josh Anderson with six. Anderson's coming up with another one of those Cy Young years, those six goals and only two assists in 23 games played and continues to baffle me, folks, because this guy's got all the size and all the skill you want in a hockey player, but he shows up once every four games, it seems. And uh, forgive me for a chuckle here, AJ, but last night I went to bed when they were winning 4 nothing in Vancouver, and boy, did I have a big smile when I saw they lost in overtime 7-6 this morning. The New Jersey Devils had a bit of a quiet week compared to the rest of the league. Just two games played, so their numbers are down a little bit, you know, comparatively. But still, decent offense from Jack Hughes with three points, Eric Holla with a trio of assists, Miles Wood with two assists as well. If you want to point out, you know, stats a lot of times, Paul, we can use them for good or for, for evil, if you will. You could point out the fact that in those two games, they had six different goal scorers, which sounds like a perfectly good stat. You could also point out the fact that none of their goal scorers had more than one goal this past week. So it depends on what you're looking for out of those uh, stat lines. I think it's a good thing. I think it shows that this team has some depth and that they are trending um, in the right direction, obviously, this season they've been building for a number of years towards being a potential playoff team. They sit atop the Metropolitan Division, which I think is probably outshooting the coverage of what a lot of people thought heading into the season. 24-1 and is the record there. They look really good at home, 9-3-1. They look even better on the road, just 11-1-0 and as the visitors here. So um, this is a difficult, uh, going to be a difficult New Jersey team to unseat from the top of the Metro right now, um, just playing so well. Well, and you can say the same thing about Nashville, AJ. They're seven and two in their last nine games. And really the big names are the ones that are dragging them toward this success. Roman Yossi doing his thing on defense, leading uh, this club with, 20 points from the back end. Uh, he's ably supported up front by Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, who have 22 and 21 respectively. But they'd like to be getting a little bit more out of Ryan Johansson and Nino Niederreiter, who have been uh, keys to this offense the last couple of seasons when it's going well. Niederreiter started off okay, but he's mired in a, a little bit of a slump recently. He's got nine goals and only two helpers in 23 games played. Johansson, for his part, 14 points in 23 games played, off the pace that he set last year, where he uh, was playing almost up to the big contract that he's uh, he's uh, riding uh, on out there in Nashville. Uh, he's got a few years to go on it, and uh, he's got a gap to fill if he wants to start getting positive press relative to it this season. And uh, so upward mobility, but they're not near where I thought they would be just yet. They're heading in the right direction. I'm going to use the same stat line for the New York Islanders. Three games this past week, five different goal scorers, but all of them with just one goal apiece. So obviously, if I think what's good for the goose, it should be good for the gander here, right? But um, 
the Islanders are going to rely on, they're not going to rely on heavy goal scores um, heading into the season. You've got uh, Simeon Varlarmov got a start this past week. It was a 21 save shutout performance. Sorokin actually drops both of his games, but the 925 save percentage, 2.04 goals against average. So again, you kind of have to look at the offense maybe lacking in this in this instance. So again, there's other contexts that you need to use to evaluate these things, but I wouldn't be too worried about Sorokin or the Islanders right now. Um, the net mining is clearly solid when you consider 925 is a really good save percentage uh, when you're winning games, much less when you're losing them. They just need a little bit of help from a couple of guys maybe to find some depth scoring. Jean-Gabriel Pajot is a player we've talked about all season long is kind of underwhelming this year. Um, they've got Barzell and Nelson and, and uh, Anthony Bolivia all kind of churning, um, but they're going to need a little bit more. And I would expect that's something that this team tries to address at the deadline, maybe, uh, a, you know, mid six. I wouldn't say they're looking for a top six or, or a bottom six necessarily. So like a second or third liner, with a little bit of scoring touch could be something the Islanders are shopping for uh, at the trade deadline. And AJ in New York, the Rangers are going through a stretch where they've lost five of their last seven and putting the focus back on some of their youngsters. Offensively, they're not getting a thing out of Kako, who's mired with only eight points in 27 games played. And the same can be said for Alex Lafreniere, who's got 12 points in 27 games played. They're not factoring in enough to support the top line, and that's causing a lot of juggling uh, going forward. They're getting good mileage out of Vincent Trocek in the second-line center role as he had uh, had a hand in driving a lot of the offense in the past week. But really, they're looking for more. They're trying to move things around. Vitaly Kravtsov is a young guy that they're trying to give a chance to, but you know he only got his first goal of the season, and he's played uh, four games recently after coming back from injury. So the jury's out on whether he's along for that top six role. They got to get more out of the two other young guys up front. One other guy on the back end that's worth mentioning, and and if you're in a league that that uh, includes hits and block shots, Graydon Schneider is going to be a guy that's a perennial lead, uh, among the leaders in those two categories, chipping in with some offense this year as well with six points to his credit, a defenseman to watch, a first-round pick that looks like it's going to be a good one for the Rangers. Sorry, over in uh, Ottawa here, we're uh, looking at um, not a ton of huge injury concerns. Obviously, one of the big stories that came out this past week is that Alex Formanton will not be eligible to play in the NHL this season, was unable to agree with a contract uh, with Ottawa, and he is expected to head overseas and play uh, play over in Europe, as some players before him have done. Um, I, you know, I, I don't love it, Paul. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I know he wanted to get paid, I'm sure, more than they were willing to offer him. But you've got one season under your belt, really, with 32 points. In 79 games, I think you need to take a little bit of a, a leeway on that and, you know, maybe a one-year bridge or something. I don't think his long-term development is going to benefit from playing overseas at this point in his career. I think it's only going to potentially hurt him. They're going to have to go back to the table next season and start this all over again. And now they're going to be looking at numbers in Europe, which I imagine the team is going to think even less of compared to his his rookie campaign, unless he heads over there and just has an absolute blister of a season. I, I think this was a poor choice by Formanton's camp. Um, obviously, I don't think it's good for Ottawa either, that they 
couldn't be a little bit flexible and find some middle ground here to sign a player that was a key piece of their offense last year. Um, but I, I think this is a miss uh, by both sides, but the player especially. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think I wonder if there's more at play here that we'll find out about, but uh, the players' careers are short enough that they got to spend their time on the ice as much as possible, and he's doing himself a disservice by missing this season in the NHL. Should have taken what they were offering and built on it, prove, a, prove them wrong in a short deal, and, and maybe you get it right the next time in your favor. In Philadelphia, though, they played four games last week. Carter Hart was in net for all of them. They got two wins. One was a surprise victory over Colorado that we didn't see coming. So, again, some good and some bad there. The good news includes the performance of Kevin Hayes this season for this team, AJ. He's playing a very credible first-line center role for them this year. And if you listened to me in the beginning of the season, I thought if this guy was healthy, he could be a guy that would be a, a steady offensive force. I didn't expect a point-per-game pace, but here he is with 27 in 26 games played, using his size and skill effectively. The shots on goal uh, are almost a three-per-game. And he's got uh, a good running mate out there in Travis Konechny, who has had a bit of a resurgence this year from a poor season last year. He's leading the club with 10 goals and 12 helpers. So the offense is is juiced by those two guys. It drops off pretty precipitously after them, though. And that's the deal in, in Philadelphia, that they got to get more scoring out of their depth. And uh, at least they got two guys that they can talk about right now. And Carter Hart's game in order. So some positives, but mostly negatives here. And that's keeping Philadelphia on the outside looking in. So let's take a pause to give our sponsors some airtime now, AJ. And we'll collect our breath. We'll be back with some news and notes from the remaining teams around the league. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Stats, Ben, and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back. And AJ, before I hand it over to you, I've got a personal message to deliver to Jeff Erickson. He's the guy that brought me into Rotowire some 12 years ago. And this week, we're going head to head in Rotowire's fantasy football uh, uh, league. Uh, we're both in the top of our division. He's got me by a game right now. So if I beat him in the last game of the season, I take first place and I want it bad. So a message out to Jeff. Keep an eye out for me, Jeff. I'm gunning for you. And uh, that's just a bit of a backdrop to our sponsors at Caesars, AJ, where the World Cup's in, uh, rolling along. We're near the, into the playoff rounds. And the NFL is getting near the end of the regular season schedule, as I just implied. There's lots going on in the hockey world and basketball. So what's Caesars all about for us? Yeah, as you mentioned, Paul, we are in a peak sporting uh, time right now. Uh, you mentioned everything else uh, going on right now in the in the world of sports. Obviously, baseball futures are available if that's your sport as well. So it is the best time to try a Caesar Sportsbook today. Anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R O T O 1 5. Promo code gives new users a risk free first bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesar Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. 
if you do take advantage of that promo code and you want some best bets from Paul and I during the week, we are happy to share our thoughts with you over on Twitter. You can follow me at AJ Schultz 24 and you can follow Paul at Statsman22. We'll give you our thoughts and takes on everything, uh, everything hockey, soccer, baseball, NBA. I think, you know, I think that's about NFL. What what don't we talk about, Paul? I think you and I pretty much <laughs> talked about uh, just about everything in one way or the other here. That's what makes it a must-listen radio and TV if you get a chance to watch us on the on the computer or, or some other ways here, AJ. We're also on the DraftKings show every morning, so you can see our smiling faces, get our hot takes all over the place, and we couldn't be happier in this space. Uh, you could be a little bit happier with Pittsburgh, I suppose, but uh, they seem to be riding the ship, and they're getting good news from the fact that one of their players, uh, key players is back skating, but another guy might be hurt. What's the story? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about as far as hurt. I know Crosby, Malkin, and DeSmith were dealing with illness, um, all of which are game-time decisions. Ryan Pooling is hurt. Um, I'm <laughs> not sure that's a huge loss to the Penguins. They've got Danton Heinen. Uh, back up in there and so yeah I mean obviously Jeff Petrie gets the key assignment playing bigger minutes with the man advantage as as long as Chris Letang is out he continues to skate they uh, today didn't offer any highlights or updates on his his timeline I'm not sure that they necessarily really even know at this point so yeah I think we're uh, trending in in the right direction for Pittsburgh they've had some some good wins I expect they'll have another good win tonight so I'm tipping my hand a little bit as what you'll see for the makeup of my DraftKings lineup later in the show. AJ, Seattle's won 12 of the last 15 games played. That's wonderful records for the second-year club. And uh, Matty Beneers continues to lead their club offensively with three more goals this past week. They're getting very sound goaltending still from Marty Jones primarily, and that's a bit of a surprise for me, but still riding that uh, successfully. Philip Rubar is back and ready to be a participant in the one-two punch. So the goaltending looks a little stronger than it had earlier in the season. And uh, a lot of positive vibes around this club at this stage of the year. And there's plenty of reason for optimism because the guys that are, are supposed to be carrying the mail are doing so. When you consider Eberle, Burakowski, and McCann scored at least three points each this past week. Vince Dunn, though, is emerging as something of a surprise for me. AJ quarterbacking the power play with some degree of success and adding three more helpers to his uh, totals as well. Uh, Schultz on the back end with three more helpers as well. So they're getting some scoring from everywhere, and they're managing to keep the bucket on the net. It's no wonder they're enjoying a good run in their second year in the NHL. Over uh, with our next team here, this uh, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Tomas Hurdle with four goals this past week. This is another team where we're kind of, you know, just – waiting for the season to end for the most part in terms of, of where they're going to finish uh, two, seven and one in their last 10 games, three game losing streak. Uh, but I think there's more, at least for me, from a fantasy perspective, there's a few more bright spots on this team. Obviously we've talked a ton about uh, Eric Carlson this season uh, and, and his numbers to start the year, but Tomas Hurdle four goals, as I said, in this last week, Kevin LeBanc with four points, Logan Couture with four points, so I think there's a few more pieces that you can use in certain DFS matchups or, uh, you know, if in season long, it doesn't necessarily matter. If you've got Thomas Hurdle, who cares if they lost as long as he's producing uh, in the in the offensive end? So 
there are definitely uh, some more pieces that you can use uh, on on this team, I think, than uh, looking at, you know, Arizona. In Seattle, in St. Louis, rather, uh, you know what, I'm a little bit concerned for uh, fellow Richmond Hiller, Jordan Bennington. He's playing brain fart hockey right now. Let's be, let me be very blunt. The goals against average, not where he needs it to be. It should be a, a goal shy, uh, less than it is right now. And it's causing a lot of grief for the St. Louis club, including their, their coach who just said last week, I wish he would just focus on stopping pucks instead of getting embroiled with uh, opposition players uh, in various situations. And uh, that point must have been made very personally and directly by by Craig Berube, who doesn't mince words. And I'll be curious to see what they get out of Bennington going forward. But he has to get righted because otherwise the, this team is a veteran core. They're, it might be one of their last kicks at the can with so many guys at the 30-plus range in, in terms of their age. So there could be major changes if they don't get things righted. And right now, for me, the white light is all over Jordan Bennington. Get your head straight, kid and get it going for your club. Dear NHL, you are on warning. Andre Vasilevsky seems to be back to superhuman form. You look at his last four appearances, 3-1 and one is the record, 2.01 is the goals against average. So this is bad news for the rest of the league uh, when you consider you know, Tampa quietly sitting third in the Atlantic behind Toronto and Boston. I think that's pretty much what we saw last year, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. They... Uh, kind of trailed Boston and Toronto for much of the season before ultimate, you know, before uh, making a, a playoff run here. And they seem to be doing the same thing. Eight and two in their last 10, as I said. So uh, Andre Vasilevsky, a key piece there. Um, injuries have been relatively minimized for them. They've got uh, Hayden Fleury is out, but, uh, you know, a guy, a blue liner that wouldn't really get into the lineup much, even if he was healthy. You've got uh, Corey Perry with four assists this last week, three of those coming with the power play. I've talked about this uh, both on DraftKings and at our show earlier. This is a player that you need to consider targeting both in season-long and DFS lineups because while he is in a fourth-line role and his minutes might be a little bit down because of it, he's become somewhat of a power play specialist for them uh, moving forward. AJ, in Toronto, it was a bit of a measuring stick for them against Tampa on the weekend. They lost in extra time in the overtime. They've had poor luck in that that extra frame going one and five in six overtime efforts. You flip that script and they're right up Boston's butt in the in the league standings. But you're right about Tampa and uh, I have reason to be concerned. I don't want to see a repeat of that matchup as long as the Leafs uh, are on the losing end, but uh, I have to be heartened by the fact that they did it with four guys still on the injured list on the blue line. They're going to get one back soon, I think, because TJ Brody is skating with the club. That's a big help in, on the horizon. But in the meantime, they also have to deal with Callie Arncroft's groin injury. That creates an opportunity for Nicholas Robertson, who I hope will emulate his brother's efforts uh, eventually. He's going to get a chance to be a top six player for the next couple of weeks, though, with Yarncroft's injury. And as for our, our Toronto's starting goaltenders, finally, both of them are healthy at the same time. Murray and Samsonov, when they've been uh, in the nets for the Leafs, have combined for 236 goals against average and a 92.2 save percentage. If they can do that the rest of the way, I'll take that and I won't worry about the opposition so much. Fair enough, Paul. <laughs> Over in Vancouver, Paul uh, Horvat with three goals. Uh, over the last week, Ilya Mikheyev, 
two goals as well. Pedersen with five points. So they're offensively really rolling. And, you know, you talk about sometimes players seem to fly under the radar for, for various reasons. Well, I would put Bo Horvat in that list. You look at the season long goal totals right now, Horvat uh, right in the thick of things with 20 goals already this season in 26 games. That's two behind Commodore McDavid, three behind Jason Robertson. Uh, so keep an eye on Bo Horvat to put himself in the mix overall as, as the season goes along. And I think is a good sign for this team. Thatcher Demko is the bad news for this club. He's been placed on IR, expected to miss about six weeks of time, which means Spencer Martin is going to get the bulk of the workload for them uh, moving forward here. He will uh, have to see plenty of opportunities. Colin Delia, uh, Delia rather, of uh, former Chicago fame, a uh, couple brief stints, but has never played more than 16 games in a season. He'll serve as the number two option. I wouldn't expect too many challenges from him. I think Martin has done a, a decent job to start the year, 7-2-1 and one in 12 outings. So uh, we'll see uh, where that ends up for them. But expect Spencer Martin to see the bulk of the workload uh, during Demko's injury. AJ, uh, I'm, I'm also going to hype the Champions League fantasy hockey group that I'm in uh, across the industry here. Some of the heavyweights that, uh, from uh, different companies are going head-to-head against me. And I'm faring quite well. But this week I took a couple of blows. You also already mentioned uh, what's happened to the Colorado captain. I'm going to talk about uh, Jack Eichel for a second here, dealing with a lower body hurt and sidelining another key component of my club. But the good news for me is that his injury is considered day-to-day not as serious as McKinnon, so I'm expecting him to be back in the lineup before the week is out and uh, hope that that continues for him to be a a resurgent season after an injury-plagued one last year. The Vegas club continuing to show that they're an elite team in the NHL. Even with his absence, they pulled off the win in Boston. And it's uh, the supporting cast that continues to chip in. Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall with a couple of goals each. But Paul Cotter is a new addition to the notes for this club, as this guy has factored into the scoring offensively here with with this team. And uh, I expect uh, that he will continue to get a bit of a look uh, in the near term with some of the injuries and uh, shifting around on this roster. He's getting the first line minutes with Stevenson and Stone right now. So uh, primo role for Paul Cotter. I don't know how long it's going to last, but so far he's scoring, and that's a good sign. In Washington, uh, the concern right now among all their other injury woes is Darcy Kemper picked up uh, a knock here. Uh, didn't play on Monday, upper body injury. They are still labeling him day-to-day, so no reason to totally panic in Washington. Charlie Lindgren will carry the bulk of the workload, but it is just one more injury as they continue to be without Dmitry Orlov, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Carl Hagelin, and a couple other, uh, you know, smaller role players here. Um, just the latest uh, problem for the Washington Capitals. Uh, you look at this last week, John Carlson seems to really uh, be lighting it up since returning. He had a brief kind of six-game injury absence in the 12 games since then, six goals, two assists. But what I think is even more impressive, in those 12 games, 50 shots on goal, including seven last night against Edmonton. This is a player that is putting pucks to the net, taking advantage of his power play ice time, which is astronomical. I mean, you look, he's had games this season 
of over seven minutes, over nine minutes, several games over five minutes of power play ice time. And so just eating up big minutes with that man advantage and and clearly capitalizing on it. And in Winnipeg, they're continuing to suffer injuries to top six types. Nikolai Ehlers remains on the sideline. Mason Appleton on the IR. Logan Stanley missing from the defense as well. But they're getting capable fill-ins recently with Cole Perfetti on the top line, shining alongside Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheife. That makes that line more stackable in DFS play. That's tipping my hand a little bit for our latter segment, folks. And uh, my, uh, on the second unit, Mikey Eisenmont is a guy that's getting some ice time in between Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, and he's doing it, getting some some offensive results. So might be a sneaky good value play on the first line with Perfetti and Eisenmont on the second line if you're inclined to that second unit as well. But the clutch thing for this club is Connor Hellebuck is doing Connor Hellebuck things. The goals against average back to uh, even better than career norms, 2.27. The save percentage, 93.1. Winnipeg's won seven or the last 10, uh, 10, and that's because the big guns are firing, they're getting capable fill-in performances, and the big goalie is doing his thing back there. That takes us through our look at the 32 clubs, AJ. And this week, we're going to focus on DFS plays for Tuesday night's schedule. You handled the DK side. I handled the FB FanDuel side. And I looked at both sets of numbers. And again, there's some serious disparities. So I don't think you can use my lineup in DK. And I wonder if I could use your lineup in FanDuel. So it's worth going through both of them and noting some of the price differences if we do have players in common. Well, for me, and this is not despite the fact that I'm decked head head to toe in penguin gear right now, if you're watching us over on Facebook or, or Twitter, um, this is not a homer pick, in my opinion. Pittsburgh is playing at home against Columbus, who have been one of the worst defensive groups in the league this season. You combine that with the fact that we're getting uh, Jornis Kobersalo back for the first time uh, from an injury absence. So there's going to be some current concerns there. So I went heavy penguin sack and that starts with Evgeny Malkin comes in at just 5,900. He is stuck in a bit of a gold drought, six games without uh, a marker there, but he does have four assists over that stretch. The shots have been decent about three per game over that stretch as well. So I think he's going to start rolling and I pair him up with Brian Rust and Jason Zucker. Russ comes in at 4,600, Zucker at 4,300. Those two guys did get off uh, similar slumps in their last game. So I think it's just Malkin's turn, and this trio should carry the load here for this game. Obviously, you're going to want to make sure that Malkin plays. He had been missing from practice yesterday with an illness, but all signs point to him being in the lineup. For my other center, I went over to Ottawa. I think it's an okay matchup against the Kings especially when you consider it won't be Jonathan Quick going tonight. They're going to roll with the backup. So I went with Shane Pinto here. Comes in at just 3,900. Had a really good start to the year. Slumped pretty hard after that. Um, Looking at just two points in his last 11 games. But for the last three games, he's had a couple of shots on net, uh, a total of seven in those three contests. So I think maybe he's going to pick it up here a little bit. 3900 is just such a cheap price tag for a guy that's a top six uh, top six option and, and gets some power play opportunities. I mentioned Rustin Zucker. My other uh, winger here is going to be Kevin Fiala on the other side of that L.A.-Ottawa matchup. Fiala continues to perform at peak level, comes in at 6300 That's below kind of the top price tags 
around the league. Fiala with three multi-point games in his last uh, last six outings. Over on the blue line, I'm going to go with Jeff Petrie. I talked about the fact that he's filling in for Latang on the number one power play unit. 5,100 makes him a steal in that role. I'll go over to Tampa for my other defenseman, going a little bit higher, but going to go with Mikhail Sergeyev at 6,200. He continues to see the bulk of the minutes on the top unit there ahead of Victor Hedman, although uh, their last game they split a little bit more evenly in that role. But Sergeyev getting opportunities with that top group. He's got uh, you know no goals in his last several games, looks like uh, nine but nine helpers over that stretch as well. Six of those coming with the man advantage. So he's getting assists on the power play. That's value you just can't waste there. I'm going to head over to Florida and use Sam Bennett for my other, my final uh, utility spot here. First line center uh, for the Florida Panthers right now. 5,200 is the price tag. 21 points in 25 games total for the season. Again, another player that's been heavily in the multi-point contest. He's got four multi-point efforts in his last nine games. He's definitely a boom or bust player um, over that same stretch. He's also got four games in which he didn't record a point at all. So you're either getting a couple from Sam Bennett or nothing at all. So definitely uh, not a floor player by that imagination. And then, of course, let's just be honest. We all knew this is where I was going. Tristan Jari as the backstop here. Home matchup, he's been playing really good of late. 8400 is the price tag, and you just can't beat getting to face the Columbus Blue Jackets right now at home. AJ, the price discrepancies on a couple of guys that we have are, are front and center here for me, and I'll get to them in a sec, but uh, again, some big differences. Mark Shifley at, at Winnipeg is, is on fire right now, and he's on an extended heater. $7,400, I think it should be higher, that, but I guess it has a lot to do with the Florida matchup tonight and the fact that Spencer Knight's in goal and not Sergei Bobrovsky. Still, I'm going with the Winnipeg center in that circumstance. In fact, I'm stacking the, that first line. Blake Wheeler, $6,800. And Cole Perfetti was fit in like a glove here, $5,500. He's more of a shooter than a the setup guy, so he's credited with five assists. I'm waiting for him to bolt the twine. Why not tonight against Florida for that $5,500 sum? So a uh, pretty mid-range stack in terms of prices, but I think an upside in terms of what they've been doing lately awaits me. Dawson Mercer is my second center of choice tonight, and he's playing for that potent Devils lineup, and you saw you saw one mismatch when you were talking about what Philip Pittsburgh's dealing with. I think another one awaits the Devils as they face Chicago, one of the league's doormats who are playing like it of late. Uh, $5,800, like I said, the price tag for Mercer. I go to the defense and I take Thomas Shabbat for Ottawa. I think they're in a good situation tonight against an L.A. club that's leaking goals, like I implied earlier when I did their thumbnail. He's $6,400 worth, and you get him to play almost half the game as he does every night. There should be some good scoring opportunities for all his offensive zone starts and power play time. I'm with you on the Jeff Petrie situation. You said it was $5,100 on DK, it's $5,700 on DraftKings. I'm, I mean, on FanDuel. So I'm sold on that uh, 
pick as well. Uh, prime opportunity for him to play on the top power play unit awaits and should be a productive night in that role alone, but also as the top pairing D-man with a lot of offensive zone starts for him as well. I go back to the Devils in Chicago for one of my other forwards to take, and that's Thomas Tatar. There's a couple of uh, lottery tickets here in this range for me. I know he's $5,300, not performing as I thought he might on the whole, but the offensive possibilities are there tonight as he's playing left wing minutes on the top line so I'm hoping he capitalizes on that and similarly I'm looking for lightning to strike Toivo Teravainen who is far from his uh, career form so far this year looking for his first goal but with limited ice time so far he's just rounding into full health and I expect that to be on display tonight in a right right wing role in the second line for Carolina costing $4,400 in another mismatch against the team that gives up the most goals in the league in Anaheim. And finally, you sold me on this goalie pick, AJ. I'm surprised you didn't take it. Maybe the price tag was higher there too. But I'm going with Andre Vasilevsky of Tampa for $7,700 versus Detroit. It's nowhere near the top price among goalies in FanDuel. But I'll be happy to take him based on what you told me about his recent work. So that brings us to the end of another week, partner. And... uh a big schedule on, on tap for tonight. I'll be all over it with a with a key game, Toronto and Dallas. The brothers Robertson meet up for the second time this year. The Leafs won 3-2 to two earlier this season, and I, I would take a repeat of that. And I'm sure you're looking for a lopsided win for Pittsburgh. But uh, what say you about what's going on in the World Cup? I saw earlier today Spain was upset and eliminated. And uh, I wonder, I guess Portugal slid through. But shocking news there that, that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't even play. Yeah, definitely surprising to see him on the bench, but uh, their coach uh, clearly benefit, you know, clearly showed he knew what he was talking about. They get the 6-1 win uh, over Switzerland here, so very convincing outing. I would expect we will see, you know, maybe Ronaldo starts their next game. Let's not forget, he's 37 years of age. Like, it, he's, he's always touted as being, you know, very physically fit, but, you know, they're playing games on three to four, days uh, of rest here so maybe it's a smart decision to hold them back for for the next round I don't know Um, obviously not my call and then yeah the Morocco shock uh, shock surprise over Spain no other way to categorize that Spain uh, has a history of problems when games get to PKs this is not the first time that this has happened to them Um, so obviously they need to figure that side of it out and and they're headed home you know what? I'm glad you rambled for a little bit because it gave me a chance to fi- finalize a thought that was crystallizing in my head. But that was a great ad for what AJ's all about, folks. It's not just hockey. He's all over the soccer scene, giving great work uh, notes, uh, news and notes on the soccer side on the World Cup for Rotowire. And I hope you're reading his work because it's exceptional, folks. This guy knows what he's talking about, whether it's on the ice or on the pitch. And uh you can hear us both on the DraftKings. Don't forget to look look us up on those morning runs that they do between 11 and 12 Eastern and, and one hour earlier in the central time zone. But, uh, AJ, we're having a lot of fun there. We're continuing to have a lot of fun here. I hope that our listeners buy in and tell their friends about what's happening. We're in our eighth year, and we've got a long way to go, I think, and uh, uh, bigger fish to fry down the road. So stick with us, folks. There's big news down the, down the road, I think, for, for both of us and for what we're doing here and at DraftKings. So that wraps it up. Thanks for listening to Roadwire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send comments or questions on Twitter where you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. So long, everybody. <laughs>